dear Heavenly Father, as we continue this this morning, we just want to continue to ask that you will be the center and the focus and that we will not get sidetracked with financial issues or um, looking at the seeming impossibilities, but may we trust in you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so, like I just said, for this hour we are going to be um, going over some resources and information that I feel, as I was telling Rod the other day, I feel like the session you just heard about why we should be doing this and this one are the most important ones you can get. Because honestly, in the next nine or ten hours, you know, we're going to be touching the surface of a lot of things. But here you have resources that can take you deeper. And so we're going we're gonna to go into this in depth. And then in the next however many hours we have, you're going to hear me referring to some of the people I'm going to introduce you to right now. And you'll, it will make more sense if we have the resources handed out at the beginning. So I thought we could start with a little history, um, modern history of market gardening. Um, and it's a little hard to know where to start, but in our country, uh, back in the 30s and 40s, there was a couple called Scott and Helen Nearing. Have any of you heard of Scott and Helen Nearing? Probably not. They were um, academics. They were both, I think, university professors who got tired of the modern American life. Of course, this was, you know, many years ago, but still, at that time, they, they said, you know, this is... We're, we want something different. And they moved up to Vermont and homesteaded. You know what I mean when I say homesteaded? You know, basically, we're trying to be self-sufficient. And they wrote some books on it. One was called, well, the, the one that I'm familiar with is called The Good Life. And it's actually quite fascinating because... Although their spiritual um, outlook was very different than ours, they had some amazing um, truths. They were vegans back before, I think, the term was invented. <laughs> they were vegans. They were teetotalers. No alcohol, no cigarettes. None of that. Very health-minded. And I think maybe most importantly, they believed in the dignity of manual labor. And really, um, the dignity of manual labor, and then they valued a simple life. And it's really quite uh, convicting to read some of their works and say, wow, we've missed something here.
because they actually had quite a following that would come up to their place. They were in Vermont, um, and they they did a, a maple syrup operation. And that was the way they earned their, what they call bread money. You know, anything that they couldn't grow themselves, they earned money from maple syrup to provide. Well, a big ski resort bought up the mountain behind them, and they said, okay, that does it. They moved to the coast of Maine, and there they started a blueberry uh, patch, and that was the way they earned their bread money. I don't want to get too sidetracked on this, but the point is that their experience that they wrote about attracted a young man named Elliot Coleman. And Elliot Coleman grew up in a very affluent family in New Jersey. But as many young people who grow up in affluent life, they, they realize, you know, there's got to be something more to life than this. This is not satisfying me. Elliot Coleman read the Nearing's book, and he went up to visit them, and he was fascinated and fell in love with the agrarian life. And he was into adventure sports. He, uh, we've had some good conversations. He told me he, he got a master's in, in um, Spanish literature, not because he wanted, he had that much interest in Spanish literature, but it was because he wanted to be able to spend the, um, spend the winter in Chile. <laughs> or Argentina, I forget which one it was, so he could ski year-round. He was big into skiing, snow skiing. So anyway, when he, when he got turned on to agriculture, he said, you know, this is the greatest adventure sport ever because it's the mountain that you never summit. Can you imagine being into adventure sports? He was into rock climbing and, and, and skiing and kayaking, whitewater kayaking. And here he finds this challenge that he can never conquer. And so that was, I think he was in his late 20s. And he's, he's now, I think, in his mid-70s, still trying to summit the mountain. And that gives you an idea of agriculture. It's, you know, every year you say, this is the year we've learned all the mistakes. Now we're going to summit this mountain. We're going to conquer it. <laughs> and every year, nature throws you a curveball, and you never quite summit. Anyway, so Elliot Coleman went on. Now, just interesting sidelight, he, the Nearings were so impressed with him that they offered to sell him some of their land. They had bought it at, uh, this is the coast of Maine, I don't know if any of you have been there, beautiful. Um, they had bought it like $50 an acre. And so 20 years later, when Elliot Coleman came along, they sold it to him for $50 an acre. Because their view, even though they weren't Christian, was that 
we want to pass this on, pass the blessing on to somebody else. Yeah. Elliot Coleman has since sold a number of pieces of his land, and he always sells it at $50 an acre, yeah. even though it's probably worth at least $50,000 an acre. Um, neat man, but Elliot Coleman learned from the nearings, and then he's, he, he was, he's the got the kind of mind he's always thinking, um, you know, how can I do this better? How can I make it more simple? So he decided to go to Europe, which has more of a tradition of small-scale agriculture, and learn from, well, particularly learn from the French, who were doing um, these, these intensive market gardens around France. This was back, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, so he went there and learned and came back to Maine and started applying it and eventually wrote this book, The New Organic Grower. Um, and this is the first one on your resource list, so I'm not getting off too far. We're talking about these books. This is the book that I... I, I like to say there are two things that that got me into agriculture. One was specifically the quote my wife read, that no devising of man has ever improved upon this plant. Do you understand that? I mean, do you believe it? And the second thing was this book. I bought this book before we ever started market gardening we were living in the country and wanting to have a garden and this book was so good as i read it i said you know i think i could enjoy this he makes it sound so enjoyable this book it says it's revised and expanded second edition but it's still getting rather dated um, it was it was published in 1995, the the updated edition. But I still recommend it. I wish I had my copy. If you could see how dog-eared and dirty it is, and it's it's literally falling apart because this was my constant companion in the garden. He's just so practical, you know, showing you how to hold the tools and how to. Um, I mean, just a lot of really, really good information. So, in my opinion, this is, this is the place to start on your journey to market gardening. Um, now, I will say on this list, if you've looked through it at all, I, I realize it's very American. And, and I, I, you know, almost took off the seed suppliers and stuff because I'm thinking, well, this isn't going to be relevant to you. But I left them on just because you can go on the websites, you can look at stuff and give you ideas. And, you know, it's not impossible to get seeds from the States. Rod Bailey, I think, is learning through trial and error how to get them from the States, you know, because there are varieties that may not be available here. 
So anyway, I left all that information on there, realizing that it may not be really relevant to you, but maybe you can, you can, some of the websites are very educational. Johnny's website, Johnny Selected Seeds, um, has a lot of good information on it. So you'll hear me talk about Elliot Coleman. I consider him my mentor, and it was a very... I don't want to get too sidetracked with stories. Let's make sure what this goes till 11:45, right? Oh, is it 11:30? Did we start late? Seminar starts at 11:45. That's the 12:45. No, sorry. We meant to finish 11:30. Okay. Okay. Well, um, let's let's get through this, and if there's time, I can tell you. Well, no, I'll just tell you quickly because this this was not only really pivotal for us, but also for my son, who I'll tell you more about later. Um, I always wanted to meet Elliot Coleman, and he was coming to Nashville, which is the closest city to where we live, Nashville, Tennessee. But he was doing a seminar on Sabbath. And, you know, we, we've chosen not to do those things on Sabbath. So I was kind of feeling a little bummed that that wasn't going to happen. And my daughter, who I think was about 16 at the time, got it in her head that she was going to write Elliot Coleman. And so she wrote him, and she just explained how her father had patterned his farm after Elliot's farm, and that we weren't coming to the conference because it was on Sabbath, and would there be a possibility of any other time when he could meet me and, and we could talk? And this was all without my knowing. So she sent the letter, and he, he responded. And he said, I'd love to meet your father. How about breakfast Sunday morning? And so she had great joy. And I still have it in my, my Elliot Coleman book, an invitation she wrote up for a breakfast with Elliot Coleman. And that was a special special thing for me and he said and I hope you'll come too so she came and along with my brother and I we had a wonderful visit and he invited us up to his farm to spend some time and that was where my son um, got inspired to start making tools for small farms and maybe we can talk more about that later on. But just a neat example of how standing for something, for principle, opened up doors that probably never would have opened otherwise. And, you know, now my son is not only being blessed by earning a good income from making tools, but literally, and I don't say this because he's my son, but... This tool right here, which we'll talk about later, um, has revolutionized the market gardening world. Um, so praise God, right? God is good. So 
this text was kind of it in the market gardening world for many years. Elliot Coleman is the one that came up with the 30-inch wide bed, which I, I realize, again, we're dealing with inches and centimeters, so we're going to have to work with that. But this is now the standard for market gardening, is a 30-inch wide bed, and all the tools are designed for a 30-inch bed. Um, so Elliot was was where everyone went until this book came out some years ago. Let me see. It came out in English in 2014. came out in French in 2012. Jean-Martin Fortier is a French-Canadian. And he is a young guy. Well, he's probably in his... I would guess late 30s by now. He took the new organic grower and basically took the principles from there and revised them and updated them for the 21st century and has a few twists of his own that he brought into it. And this book started a second wave of the market gardening revolution because this is is literally uh, it, it's the closest thing I know of to a handbook that you can take this book and follow it and be successful at it and because he's young he became you know he's called a rock star in the in the market gardening world and this huge wave of young people said, wow, you know, maybe this is attainable. Because I, I need to point out, this, this guy is farming an acre and a half and making $150,000 on an acre and a half in six months of marketing. And he's saying... I'm doing this in Canada, which is, you know, way up there, where it gets cold, you can do it too. And so this really turned a lot of people on to market gardening. And literally, I mean, I don't know if it's good or bad, because all of a sudden the competition has just exploded in our area. Um, this guy comes to Australia every year and New Zealand putting on seminars. But then there was another young guy from Canada, and I know some of you have heard of him, Curtis Stone, the urban farmer. How many of you have... Um, Curtis has literally hundreds of videos on YouTube. You can get an education in market gardening just from his videos. Again, another young Canadian, he's from the west side of Canada, who now, currently, the latest I've heard, he's, he's earning $100,000 off a quarter of an acre. A quarter of an acre farming people's yards in the city. Now, interestingly enough, um, he was just with my son and telling him that he has just bought 
an 11 acre farm and is going to be developing that so that's going to be interesting to see where he goes from here but um this guy also because he's so visible on youtube has um really th these two guys jean martin we call him jm and curtis stone have really taken market gardening to the next level and um, are doing amazing things. So that goes through, well, let me just show you one other book, which probably isn't so relevant for you here, unless you're from way south, Victoria. Are any of you from Victoria? Are all of you from New South Wales or Queensland? Okay, so you don't have much winter, really. But um, we have our own winter. We call them Enough winter is it? We have it? our own one. <laughs> so this book, Elliot Coleman, like I say, is in Maine, which, if you know American geography, that's well, it's at the forty-fourth latitude. So you can transpose that to the Southern Hemisphere. I think that's way down, probably Tasmania or somewhere down there. Um, and he's growing now year-round in unheated structures. So again, this, this was like another wave of the market gardening revolution that you can actually grow year-round in very cold climates without high-tech, very expensive greenhouses. Simple one layer of plastic and one layer of floating row cover. We read this, or actually it was the precursor to this, um, back in the early 2000s and started a winter CSA in 2003 based on his experiments and, and knowledge and we've been running that ever since so this is an extremely it's it's really the only thing out there only serious thing on winter growing again being in the southern hemisphere you're gonna have to transpose everything but the all the all the um, basic principles would apply. Um, extremely influential book. The, the books and information is just mushrooming. You know, I, we tell people you should never have to go through what we went through. Now that doesn't mean you're going to have an easy time. You're going to have your trials and hardships, but there's so much information out there now that you shouldn't have to go through the years of learning in the school of hard knocks that we did. Um, okay, what else? The Lean Farm. This book came out just two or three years ago. <clears throat> have any of you heard of Lean Manufacturing? It's kind of a Toyota thing. It's it's a way of looking at um, a manufacturing process from 
the viewpoint of eliminating waste and only focusing on those things that are actually making you money. And so this book does a masterful job of applying those lean principles. This is, you know, the lean methods came out of Japan. Toyota has been the champion of that, and that's part of the reason why they do so well. Um, so he, he does a masterful job of helping farmers um, apply those same lean methods to the farm and become much more efficient. You know, when you think about farmers, you think about somebody working super long hours and um, getting very little return and just slaves to the farm. Well, the amazing thing about this new wave of small farmers, and the reason why I'm sharing all this with you, well, let me just back up and say, I, I really feel strongly that this is not about money. It's about a lifestyle that God has called us to. It's about serving others. So I want to make sure that's clear, and I throw around these numbers just to help you see what people are doing, not suggesting that you'll ever reach those kind of numbers or even that you should, but I want to get rid of the myth that don't go into farming because there's no money there. That is just patently false. People are making a good living. Um, and J.M., and Curtis, and somebody else I'll talk about in just a few minutes, these people are working 40 hours a week, five days a week. They're not slaves to their farm. They are living what most people would call a very balanced life. 40 hours or less. Ben Hartman is working much less than 40 hours. Um, he's got young kids. He doesn't want to spend all his time on the farm. And so I share these not because they have none of them. Well, I think Ben Hartman is a Christian. None of these other guys are even Christian, although I'm convinced God is working with them in the garden. And We've, you know, we, we've been able to meet all of them because of my son's work and, and the inroads that that has made. And we're praying for them because I believe they're a lot closer to the Lord than they realize um, from being in the garden. It softens a person. Um, so this is another excellent book. And then this is a new one that just came out like a month ago. I haven't even finished reading this. The Lean Farm Guide to Growing Vegetables. So this book is really focused on the principles of leaning your farm up. But this book then, you know, a lot of people said, hey, you know, we want more practical examples 
how are you applying this on your farm? So he wrote this sequel, and this is taking the lean principles from this book and showing you how he uses them on his farm. He has a very small operation, less than an acre. He hires, I think he was saying, hires um, you know one or two people part-time to help him. He's grossing around 90,000 and you know most farms the net you use that term here net and gross the net is between 40 and 50 percent of gross that seems to be pretty much across the board with small farms so um, yeah so he's making enough to, to provide and again I realize the cost of living here is probably a little higher than the states. And so you have to factor all that in. Okay, um, I don't have a copy of Sustainable Market Farming with me. That's another excellent book, Market Farming Success, Family Friendly Farming. These are all good books. If, you're, if you have a family, and you're wanting to instill in them the value of farming and, and hoping that they might carry on for the next generation. That Family Friendly Farming book by Joel Salatin is excellent. Gives some really good tips. He's very well known. He's the Elliot Coleman of the meats, uh, the small meat industry, you know, um, grass-fed beef. And, and poultry and all of that. I'm sure that's probably catching on here like it is in the States, you know, as, as compared to factory farms where they're confined and fed grains and stuff. Um, so Joel Salatin has made from, a name for himself there, and I know he's been to Australia a number of times. The Greenhouse and Hoop House Growers Handbook. Um, one thing you'll find out, we'll talk about more as we go through the course, is that um, growing undercover is um, so much better. You get so much higher quality of produce, and you know you're you're limiting your um, environmental variables to a certain degree so um, this book what this book does is takes all the techniques of the big guys you know from Holland and the, the big growers that are doing this on a large scale and helps you to apply them on a small scale why doesn't everybody get up and stretch a little bit? I know it's hot in here and we're, we're sitting too much. Um, don't want anybody to fall asleep. You might miss out something important. So again, this ends at 11.30, is that right? Okay. Um, Growing for Market Magazine, yeah, you're welcome to walk around a little bit. It won't, it won't bother me. 
Drawing for Market Magazine, again, it would probably be pretty expensive for you to get a paper subscription from the states, but it is also available electronically. I feel like it's, oh, did you not get some? Here. There's, that's a set, and I may need, this is, this is the one I have. We can print off more if, if we need to, just, just remind me to do that. Um, Growing for Market Magazine is a magazine written specifically for market gardeners and by market gardeners. So it's very, very practical. People sharing what has worked for them, what hasn't worked for them. I look forward to every issue. You know, I feel like in every issue, I, I, it more than pays for the whole year's subscription. So I'm kind of, I like to read. That's the best way I learn. So I know everybody's different with that. But if you're the kind that learns well from reading, I would highly recommend that. And of course, all these books. Um, another good book, The Organic Farmer's Business Handbook. Um, how to really, if you're into, I know I heard there's some accountants back here or something. If you're into the... Um, Crunching numbers on spreadsheets. This is a good book to and, and basically the whole book is Is really about you know counting the costs Do you really know how much it's costing you to produce this? It's very easy for farmers to kind of gloss all that over you know and um, Actually, I don't think this one is even on the list so I apologize for that. Um, the Organic Farmer's Business Handbook. I believe, Rod, have you ever, are these books available in Australia? I mean, I think Chelsea Green would have some presence here. Most no, of the... No, the, the Chelsea Green titles that I bought, I bought directly from them. But... Um, Probably the best place in Australia to get most of these is the Book Depository, which ships out of England with free shipping. Um, and if you go to JM's website, outside of Canada and America, can actually can actually order his book, and he directs us straight to the Book Depository. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's probably the best source for most of those in Australia at this stage. Um, Richard Wiswall. Richard Wiswall. W I S W A L L. So, if down the track you think, oh, where was it that I might be able to buy these books, and if you've lost your notes, just send me an email and I'll direct you. Yeah, it's good to have Rod here. I know he can't be here all the time, but feel free to give the Aussie perspective on any of this. Um, okay, then I want to spend a few minutes on the internet resources. Again, things are just booming. Farmersfriendllc.com is, is my son's website where he sells the 
greens harvester along with a pyro weeder that he just came out with a month or two ago, a flame weeder, and we'll talk more about the tools later, but um, yeah, you know, most of the things coming to Australia are, the, the shipping is, is quite costly, but it's amazing how many he's selling to Australia and New Zealand um, quite regularly. She delivers them DHL usually, which is pretty reliable. Um, we don't have time to go through all of these. Square up, if you're going to do farmer's markets, Square is an incredible tool that Rod can testify to. Um, it's a way to take credit card payments with with a, you know an iPhone or preferably an iPad, but it does so much more than that. It has a um, you use it as a cash register. You can put all your produce in there, and very easily you know calculates your totals and everything. But it does so much more than that. It keeps records of exactly what was sold and you can go back from last year you know the same market last year and you can see exactly what you sold so it helps you to know for planning purposes how many bunches of radishes you need to bring to market and if it's sold it'll tell you um, when you know the hours that you sold it so you know if if the selling ended at three and your market goes to six you didn't have near enough radishes and you need to to so it, it's an incredibly useful tool that I would highly recommend fantastic fantastic sends out invoices accept credit cards and you don't have to be online for it to work because when you get back online at all updates it sends it up it's just it's the difference between uh, madness at market and uh, Pretty seamless sort of approach. Yeah. I mean, you have 20 people, 10 people deep, it's still a challenge, but oh, just fantastic. Yeah, you know, all these tools that have come out are just making it easier and easier. Now, it's not easy, but it's just helping. Um, okay, and then I want to make sure, you know, maybe we can come back if you have questions on any of these things, come back later on. And uh, so on the, on the third page, farmertofarmerpodcast.com, if you have a way to, to download podcasts, um, I would highly recommend those, especially now, though, you know, they are kind of geared for a little wider audience. You know, you'll have farmers sharing their experience that are maybe growing 20, 30 acres, which, you know, in small farm, that's a big small farm. Um, and so you may not feel like that's as relevant. You know, in the next session, we're going to talk about why I really am, am pushing like really small farms, acre and a half or less. Um, that's my passion. 
So anyway, the, but there's a lot of information that you can glean from those and apply them to really small farms, but all these ones I've mentioned are all doing it on this kind of really small scale. So John, can I just say, yes. I'm a farmer podcast, even in those interviews where someone growing 20 or 40 acres is, is being interviewed, I always come away with learning something every week, because these podcasts come out every week. Um, I always learn something, even from those other guys. Yeah. And all of the past podcasts are available, so... There's now, what is it, 160 or 70, yeah. something yeah. like that. It's just really, well, I highly recommend that. It's just a fantastic thing. You know, an hour, hour and a half out of your week, well, you'll learn something that will tell you about yourself. The next one is YouTube, um, Urban Farmer, Sea Stone. I, I hope that's the right address. I think it is. But anyway, you go on YouTube and search for Curtis Stone hours and hours of videos on there covering every aspect of small farming. Um, Permaculture Voices is another podcast that Curtis Stone has, has gone through at least two seasons or two years where he gives kind of a weekly update on, on how his farm's doing, what he's learning, what he's doing. So there's just so many resources. And then there's another section of this permaculture voices. I haven't quite figured out how it all fits together. It's called creative destruction, which sounds like a funny term, but I actually looked it up and it actually is a, an economic term, creative destruction, that um, has meaning. <laughs> but um, anyway, in that Creative Destruction podcast, there's three streams, one for, for meat producers, one for small market farmers, and one for microgreens growers. And so that small market farmer one is particularly helpful if I convince you that that's the way you should go. Um, because it's specifically interviewing farmers who are just doing an acre or two. So that's a great resource. And then the last three we'll just talk about in the last minute that we have here. Permaculture Voices, no, sorry, ProfitableUrbanFarming.com. That is Curtis Stone's online course. He has a full online course that he has put together. I've known people who've paid for it. You know, just an advertisement here. Um, people go to college. I don't know how much college costs here in Australia. Maybe it's not all free, is it? I mean, in the States, to go to an Adventist college, 25000 a year. You know, $100,000 for a four-year degree, and then many of those people can't get jobs. I mean, I don't, I don't want anybody to say I'm downing college, but I, I am questioning it for, I, mean, I don't think it's for everybody. Let me just put it, we'll leave it at that.
Um, so to spend a few thousand dollars to get an education as a market farmer, I mean, Never Sink Farm. I want to talk about this a bit because Connor Crickmore, as I said here, is taking the market gardening revolution to new heights with the amazing profitability and efficiency of his farm. He's growing in New York. We went to visit his farm last fall and we were blown away. Never seen a farm so pristine. You have to search to find a weed in his garden or a stone. It's just amazing. And this guy, without any tractor, he doesn't even use a BCS uh, walk-behind tractor. He's making over $350,000 on less than an acre and a half. He believes he can take it up to $500,000, half a million dollars on an acre and a half. He has just come out with a course, an online course. That's the new thing all these guys are doing. Rod actually has signed up. I'm jealous because I wanted to get on. Anyway, I'll, I'll see it sooner or later. But his forte is systems. He has an incredible mind to look at a farm and say, how can I simplify this? That's why he got rid of the BCS. That's why he only uses hand tools. In his mind, it was, it was more efficient. Permanent beds, an incredible system. I, um, anybody who's going back to Rod's place after this conference to get your hands dirty, um, I'm going to convince him to show a few episodes of this online course, and I think it'll convince you that it would be worth your money. And then finally, Jean Martin also is jumping on the bandwagon, and he's got an online course coming out. So, you know, you read the books, you kind of decide whose style fits you. Of course, Connor Crickmore doesn't have a book, but... Um, I would highly encourage you to try one of these online courses because, you know, there's hours and hours of information there which we just don't have time to get into here. So again, in closing, these guys are not Christian. I'm not advocating everything they say or do, but my take is this. They have learned systems and efficiencies that if we could use... You know, I don't need to earn $350,000. I wouldn't know what to do with that much money. Um, but if I can earn enough to provide for my family with less hours per week, that gives me more time to evangelize. That gives me more time to rub shoulders with my customers. And so to me, this is what this is all about. It's not trying to earn big money. It's not trying to prove you know, you're as good as such and such, so and so. It's about being good stewards of the land, being good stewards of our time, and honoring God with what we do. Okay, that's a quick overview. I, again, I'm not going to talk about the catalogs because they're probably only of limited use to you. 
but again, many of them have websites that are informative. Okay, very good. So let's take a break, get some fresh air. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.